0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Fantasy Hockey Picks and Bets, presented by Prize Picks, right here on the Mayo Media Network. I'm Chris Meany. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for taking the time to hang out. Six games on the ice. I'm always super excited to talk to Pete Jensen, but even more so today because I want to get his thoughts on the NHL trade deadline. He is from NHL Network, the senior fantasy editor over there and the co-host of NHL Fantasy on Ice. So we're going to pick his brain in just a few moments. If you are new to this show, well, what's taking you so long? Jokes aside. Please subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. If you have a comment in the YouTube section, leave it there. I will circle back before puck drop. We have an early game this afternoon. We're going to break it all down, as I mentioned. So please rate, review, subscribe, smash the like button, as Pat Mayo likes to say. But it is time right now for the Prize Picks Play of the Day. So six games, lots of different avenues to go. Prize Picks, one of my favorite things about them is that you can mix and match across all the sports that you love, and they're all happening right now but of course a couple hockey plays for you I'm going to start with Kyle Connor no surprise hey it worked out for us on Monday he has the exact same matchup against the Ottawa Senators and the exact same prop total here at 3.6 his fantasy score I'm going to take the over there he had the goal on four shots so he ended up with five fantasy points five prize picks, fantasy points. He's got four goals in seven games against the Sens, two goals and nine shots in the last two games against Ottawa, which have come over the last 10 days. So he's really feeling it. We've talked a lot about Kyle Connor so far this season and why not? I mean, 19 goals, 40 points in 42 games this season, basically a point per game guy averaging 3.3 shots per game. So a nice solid floor there because you get half a point for a shot on goal and picking on the Sens a little bit, despite the win against the Jets on Monday since March 1st, Five and five numbers per 60 minutes, according to our friends over at Natural Statric. They've allowed the third most shot attempts, the third most shots on goal, the fifth most goals per 60 minutes at five and five, 2.88. 5th most high danger chances and the 7th most scoring chances. They have the 25th ranked penalty kill. The Jets enter with the 4th best power play, large in part, to Kyle Connor, who has 9 power play goals, the 4th most in the league. Mixing it up a little bit here with the 2nd play, I don't give a lot of unders, and Jonas Bourdain is checking in at 2.6 fantasy points. It's very, very low. May have to sweat this one out. It is an early game, so I'll give you a third one on the way out, but no points. Actually, you know, he just got two points in his last 14 games, but that's what we need, right? No points. If he gets an assist, then we're really going to sweat it out because the assist is two points, the shot half a point, as I mentioned, and a block half a point as well, but he hasn't had more than one shot in, you know, only more than one shot, rather, in two of his last 11 games, more than one block in three of his last nine, and he's been under the 2.6 fantasy points in six of his past eight games, so... No points. Hopefully, you know, he's off that power play. Sometimes he gets some power play time, but no points from Brodeen and maybe just one shot or a couple blocks. So uh, it's, it's hard for me to root against players. Okay. That's why I pick overs. I like to see them succeed, but I am taking the under here 2.6 on Brodeen. If you want another Max Pacioretty 4.5 against the Kings, he scored a goal on four shots against LA on Monday. He's starting to heat up. We've talked about him, how he's a streaky goal scorer, two goals in his last three games, 16 shots. In his past four, check out prizepicks.com. Follow the link in the description for the first deposit match of up to 100%. Let's bring in Pete Jensen at NHL Jensen, the senior fantasy editor at NHL Network, the co host of NHL Fantasy on Ice. Pete, welcome, man. Thanks for taking the time.
1: Great to be on with you, Chris. As always, I enjoy listening to your show and I would encourage everybody else to check out NHL Fantasy on Ice. We dropped our trade deadline recap show. We'll be talking about a lot of the similar things. Of course, today uh, we're reacting off of a couple of debuts, right? We have Taylor Hall debuting for the Bruins on their second line. And of course, Anthony Mantha, huge performance for him. So really excited to be here with you. And uh, some changes of scenery can definitely spark some fantasy value around the league.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great debuts for uh, d- definitely a solid, solid debut for Mantha. I want to get your thoughts and you're right. Uh, I want everybody to to check out NH- NHL Fantasy on Ice. If you're a big hockey fan, you're going to really enjoy that. It's an intelligent, fun show. Had the chance to be on it as well. Had an absolute blast. And you guys already broke everything down, but we had the debuts. Let's start with Mantha. I mean, he had a goal. He had a power play assist. He was playing on that second line with Nicholas Backstrom, from TJ Yoshi. It's, I mean... No disrespect to Dylan Larkin, but over the past couple of years, you know, he hasn't played with a center like Backstrom. And I like Larkin, but the goal, the power play assist, the six shots, what do you make of him going forward? Uh, I know you've talked about him being a strong ad. His ownership over the past 24 hours, Pete, has went from roughly 16% to hovering around 50%. I think the rest of the way, I know Washington only plays a couple games next week, and that could put a wrench into people playing in the quarters needing you know four games out of a player for the week but man you gotta like his outlook the rest of the way with the capitals
1: i do for sure and i was looking yesterday it occurred to me of course he's been on the red wings his whole career and it occurred to me he's like has this guy ever played in a playoff game and the answer to that is no but that will probably change very quickly here uh come next month right so mantha joins the capitals the exposure to nicholas backstrom is ideal even if they switch it around and he plays with Kuznetsov, that's a great spot as well. But I think it just brings some great stability to the second line, which this year has been broken up at times in Washington. Uh, Backstrom's been up top at times. Kuznetsov got off to a slow start. There was uh, Oshie has been on the third line, sometimes playing center, sometimes playing wing. Vrana was hot and cold. Um, you know, I, I like Vrana's upside with the Red Wings, by the way. But I think that like Anthony Mantha is one of the great power forwards in the NHL when he's healthy, when he's hot. And to see him healthy now, and he, before the trade, 11 points in his prior 16 games. So he started to get going a little bit, even for a bottom feeder like the Red Wings. Like Anthony Mantha, the previous two seasons, was on a 31-goal pace each of the prior two seasons. If he stays healthy and now he's on a contending team, I mean, this guy, like if you have anybody in our top 100 forward rankings in the middle range, like from 50 to 70, you got to be really considering and mulling whether to drop a player of that ilk for Anthony Manta, because I think Mantha is going to be point per game or better the rest of the way.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, one league you and I playing, I made a really tough call. Oh man, and it may burn me. Uh, Nino Niederreiter has been really good this year, and he's got points in three straight. But I just wanted Mantha so bad. Uh, I believe I have Backstrom, and I wanted that connection. I dropped Nino Niederreiter. I, I may, I may regret that a little bit. Like Nino's good, and it's tough. Like you, you got to drop a good player sometimes to grab another one. I just really wanted a piece of Mantha. Uh, Like Nino, he throws his body around quite a bit, but I think both of those guys, you know, very similar in terms of output. So maybe it was a sideways move, but I was really drinking the Kool-Aid Pete from the Mahitha trade. And you're right about Vrana having a good year. I think he's going to be strong in Detroit, too. It was one of those deals you and I were talking before we came on where it's like, okay, the deadline was kind of quiet. We saw a couple moves the night before and the week before Paul Mary. Uh, to the Islanders, and then a haul the night before, and then I thought maybe the deadline was just over. And it was like, okay, I'm just gonna start doing some research, take a look at the games, and then boom, the Manta trade happened. And it was like, all right, it's a huge blockbuster. So Manta, according to Sport Logic, the zone exits yesterday, eight tied for first in the game slot chances, third tied for first rush chances tied for first, he had two of them. And then Taylor Hall, again, according to Sport Logic, 42 seconds of offensive zone time was the second most in the game. He had the three shots. He had the two-on-one in overtime. What, what a debut that would have been against his former team to be able to get the overtime winner. Boston found a way to get it done in a shootout anyways. But six zone entries tied for first, rush chances tied for first as well. What do you make of Taylor Hall in Boston? This obviously gives them two solid lines. I mean, Craig Smith is rolling right now too, Pete.
1: Yeah, I actually wanted to mention. I think that league where you picked up Mantha, I was gonna pick. Yeah, I would no, I was gonna pick up Mantha, and I was gonna drop either Kirby Doc or Jamie Ben. So So obviously lesser lesser caliber uh, players than Niederreiter, but like I think I forgot what happened. Like I was about (laughs) to pull the trigger, and then I think we were like going to do our show or something, and then I was like, oh, Chris picked him up. Of course, Chris (laughs) is like the class of that league. That's the one league this year that I'm struggling in a little bit but yeah definitely whether you're dropping someone about those lower players like I mentioned um, or a player like Niederreiter like I wouldn't hesitate anymore especially after the mm-hmm. debut but Taylor Hall back to him um, plus one three shots on goal in his debut with Boston Bruins for me like he's high caliber so he's going to bring something to the second line you already saw it in the debut he didn't score a point But Krejci scored a goal. Uh, Craig Smith kept it rolling. Those are two high-quality players as well. But like Taylor Hall is going to bring a different element to that second line that's been lacking for many years in Boston. I think it's going to go from a weakness for the team to a strength. And, of course, you see Hall and Krejci both in contract years. So don't discount that storyline. Both have a sense of urgency Both want to turn their careers around a little bit and uh, they can do it together. So, and then the thing with Taylor Hall, if he ends up being that fourth forward on the power play one, which, uh, you know, started on power play two, but I fully expect him to unseat Nick Ritchie in that spot eventually. So, you know, if he gets there, I mean, that's where it could really open the floodgates for hall hall had the worst shooting percentage of any forward in the NHL. Uh, with at least like 55 shots. It was 2.3 going into his debut. So absolutely abysmal, but can only go up from there. But then if you see exposure to the top dogs in Boston on the power play, I mean, he, he could really ignite down the stretch. So I really liked the fit. I thought it was the best possible fit for any team out there for Taylor Hall going to Boston.
0: Yeah. And you know, he's got to be feeling good too. I don't want to compare him and Eric Stahl, but Stahl, some of his comments when he went to Montreal and just the difference between, you know, leaving a team that just... They were losing night in and night out. The effort level wasn't there. There was a lot of questions answering the same questions in the media, struggling with the low shooting percentage that you alluded to now going to a team that has all kinds of winners on that squad, playoff aspirations, Stanley cup aspirations, sitting here in fourth place in the East. I want to get your thoughts in the East, but we'll round it out here with the Islanders into a team that you follow closely. And by the way, you're a man of the people. You're working for the people. You're not going and rushing to the waiver wire to grab Mantha. you're working on research to help the people out to grab Mantha. I'm selfish. I'm grabbing Mantha. Um, but jokes aside here, the Islanders another move, Kyle Paul Mary, he picked up a goal the other day. I want to get your thoughts on the lines. I mean, I'm looking at the lines as of today and I'm seeing Zay Jack up there with Barzell and Eberly and then I got you got called Kyle Paul Mary with John Gabriel Paggio and Wallstrom. I mean, they got a lot of different pieces that they can move. I mean, Bailey and Nelson and Bolivia have been basically together for quite some time now, and that line's been pretty solid. Uh, Do you see a scenario where maybe Paul Mary jumps up on that left spot? I know he's played some left wing before with Anaheim back in the day. What do you make of that move? And to me, Pete, this may be the most complete team in the East, the Islanders.
1: Sure. The forward group, there are no real holes anymore. I mean, especially adding a player like Zajac underrated, like throw, not a throw in in the (laughs) deal, but the guy can play like major minutes for them in the playoffs, especially if they deal with an injury they're already without Andrews Lee for the rest of the season but Zajac could fill in at center or fill in on wing so that's kind of like a real life thing just to the rich get richer in terms of their forward depth and rolling four strong lines but yeah for Palmieri I expect them to really make an impact I was talking about how Boston has uh, been longing for a second line forward for all these years the Islanders have been longing for a finisher on the power play for as long as I can remember Uh, it was looking like Anders Lee was that type of player this year to start unfortunately he's done so uh, yeah Paul Mary I think is something like 11th in power play goals since he joined the Devils in 2015-16 so he's up there with some of the heavyweights in that category and even if he's playing on the third line like that's the thing like that's, I would say that's one of the best third lines in the league with yeah. Palmieri and Wallstrom centered by JG Pajot. And, but the thing about Trotz is like, he's doing it for the good of the team. He might ease in Palmieri into the role and eventually elevate him, but he, you know, he doesn't care about fantasy stats and stuff like that. I mean, Palmieri will get his points on that third line because Pajot has remained fantasy relevant. So that's a, a good floor for Palmieri, but Yes, to answer your question, I would expect Palmieri to eventually get a good look on first line with Matthew Barzell at some point down the stretch of the season. So, And Palmieri covers hits as well, so really yeah. is an important player for fantasy teams down the stretch.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's a proven 20 goal scorer and you're right. It did seem like Zajac was just kind of tossed in there. It was, it was crazy. I mean, we're not even talking about Nick Felino, but the Felino was, it felt like a steep price to pay. And then, you know, you get Zajac and Paul Mary and then Taylor Hall, that's go for a first is is weird. Some teams overpaying and, and whatnot, but you get your guy. And if you feel great about that guy and you get him. I think Felino is going to be a great fit in Toronto. It's exactly what they needed. But yeah, Paul Mary is a proven 20 goal score. Uh, I, I thought it was a really good addition, whether he plays in that first line or not, get some top power play time in the playoffs, maybe come playoff time, Pete, this is something that we see a connection there with Barzell and potentially Paul Mary. But yeah, I mean, the Islanders look really strong. So if you had right now to pick one of these teams in the East and then the Penguins bring in, bring in Jeff Carter, right? He's got all kinds of experience He's played with Crosby before international level. And I don't know if those guys will get together five and five, but maybe power play time. Who knows what could happen there. You get Malcolm back. And then you're looking at two solid lines in Pittsburgh. If you had to pick somebody right now to come out of the East, who would your money be on?
1: Probably the Capitals. I mean, if I think that their team save percentage has drastically improved over the past couple of weeks which is good to see. They were bottom five for a while. Now they're like 11th or 12th worst. And I would expect that to get better, uh, especially come playoff time. If Sammy's fully healthy and stuff like that. And Vanacek has been uh, kind of like a, you know, diamond in the rough with all the other good rookie goalies out there. I think he's held his own and he's been put in some uncomfortable situations and thrown into the fire at many different stretches and has fared really well. So yeah, I like their tandem going into the playoffs, especially if they improve down the stretch. But, yeah, like the top six for Washington is is outstanding. I mean, that second line might be one of the best second lines in the league now with Mantha, Backstrom, and Oshie. I think their defense is better than Boston's, so I would give them a slight edge there. I, I know that, um, you know, they've played some wacky games this year. That would be a crazy series. Uh, if you had to watch uh, all the twists and turns of seven games, but uh, yeah, the Islanders, I mean, are, are great. They don't have the offensive firepower per se, but they might have better goaltending than either of those other two teams. I, I do want to see when Tuka Rask comes back, like how Boston's back end looks. I know earlier in the year when he was healthy, he was only playing at like something like a 905 or something, pretty mediocre, but. Rask obviously could flip the script a little bit, but right now I would say Washington, very much a win-now team. That was a win-now move um, to try to get another cup for Ovechkin in his contract year and, you know, Mantha and giving up all those picks to Detroit, which will help Detroit down the road. But yeah, I would say Washington has been probably the most consistent team this year of all those teams through thick and thin, and uh, I like their chances in a seven-game series against anybody they play in that division.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, and what you said, I mean, they're scoring right now. They are absolutely feeling feeling themselves, scoring some goals. And, and Mantha just, I love the addition. I absolutely love that addition. I think it's it's certainly what they needed. Hey, yeah, I'm not. I'm not completely sold on Boston, but they can flip the switch, like you and I talked about before we got on. Flip the switch, playoff time, all the experience that they have. Yeah. Ras coming back. Uh, you know, Mike Riley is is an okay addition. I thought from a deep, you know, deep, deep, deep league fantasy standpoint, you're playing in salary track, uh, salary cap leagues, and, and fan tracks, he could be something for you. He played 22 minutes last night. I know Matt Grislyk didn't play, but he had five shots, two hits, and a block. He's he hasn't had any goals this season, 19 assists, but you know he can be a distributor on the power play too, maybe get some PP time for that team as well. Um, okay, let's move on. I'm with you on the Caps. They would be my team, but it's going to be a bloodbath. I think the Islanders are that sneaky little sleeper team that you're playing in playoff pools where everyone is is going to grab Washington and Boston and Pittsburgh and then all of a sudden like these Islanders players are just hanging there for you in maybe round two or box five or six depending on whatever kind of playoff format you play I think they're a very sneaky team and they could make some noise man I think they're the most complete team in the east, I love the Palmieri edition, and they're sound defensively and very, very strong in goal. Okay, let's get to today. Six games on the ice. We have an early game this afternoon, two Eastern, I believe. We got the matchup here between the Arizona Coyotes and the Minnesota Wild. Heavy favorites, a lot of heavy favorites here on the board. Uh, today, Pete, many one of them minus 190 at home, 21 19 against the spread, 24 13 and three on the year. The total here is five and a half. The Yotes plus 160, 20 and 23 against the spread. 19, 9, and 5. It was looking like, and it's still, there's an opportunity, of course, here for the, the Coyotes, but this time last week they were in a playoff spot and they had a couple game lead on the Blues, and now they played 43 games, and the Blues play two fewer games, and they have a one point lead. So it is go time here for Arizona. Uh, Minis won four, five, three straight against Arizona Pete, outscoring them 11 to 1. Um, you know, a bit of a, I guess, a bump in the road when they played the blues last week, they got spanked in the one game and lost in overtime. I expect them to bounce back here. Tough to lay the juice, but what do you think about the afternoon matchup here between the coyotes and the wilds? You'd like Minnesota here to, to go on a bit of a push, go on a bit of a run.
1: Um, I do. I am a little concerned about a couple of things with Minnesota. Like even when they were so hot earlier in the year, like their PDO was high and they've definitely come crashing down a little bit. That game was a big concern with Minnesota, you got to look and see is Kevin Fiala playing? He was banged up their last game, and then the next game got postponed and rescheduled. So um, I think he was going to be a game time decision for that. So maybe a couple more days of rest will get him in the lineup. If Fiala's out, I have my concerns about Minnesota. If Cochinen is starting, I have my concerns about Minnesota. So make Poor sure guy, the, they left I, him
0: in for nine goals. <laughs> I know.
1: I, and I've had Cochinen in this one keeper league. Oh, and he too. was uh, amazing for me earlier in the year. And now I'm like, you know, I might drop him over. Like, I think I have the abs backup, uh, uh, Jonas Johansson. Mm. And I, I might drop Cochinen before I dropped uh, Jojo from the caps. But I mean, from the, from the avalanche. But anyway, yeah, I think the Coyotes have some appeal here. If either of those two dominoes fall their way, Minnesota 3-3-2 three, three and two in their past eight, uh, including that big loss when Kocken gave up nine. So, yeah, just a game to keep an eye on. Again, wacky time slot, so uh, don't go too crazy on that game. But, um, yeah, the Coyotes are still in the thick of things. For Coyotes, I mean, like, I'm just curious, like, is, are they going to get Kemper or Ronta back before the end of the year? Otherwise, if they don't get one of those two guys back, I don't see them making the playoffs this year, um, especially with how the blues are charging and Minnesota has a nice cushion, but that's just one storyline, like big picture for Arizona. If they were to get Kemper back, they might actually have a chance, but I don't know how long Aiden Hill is really going to keep this thing going.
0: It's been tough, man, over the past couple of years for Kemper and Ranta. They just haven't been able to stay healthy. And when they're on the ice, they're just really – they're strong. They're solid. They're sound. The save percentage has been there. Ranta a couple years ago was awesome. And then Kemper, the, the year after that, was fantastic. He was one of the better goalies in fantasy, as you know. Uh, it's just – yeah, it's been tough for those guys. I agree with you. I'd probably just stay away afternoon game. I mean, it, it's nice to have an afternoon game, sit back and watch – watch some hockey if i had a lean it would be with the under i don't want to kind of lay that juice with mini it does sound like fiala will play but keep an eye on that he was just a a random late scratch the other day i don't know a lot of people were upset about that from a dfs standpoint didn't get him out of the lineup in a season-long standpoint but it does sound like he will play Uh, again we'll probably get some news pretty soon if he does play Pete, I like him his shot prop you can use our free prop shop uh Tool and Parlay Calculator over at ftmbets.com to get the best possible odds. William Hill has Fiala two and a half shots at minus 141. He's cleared two and a half shots in six six straight games, and he's got 23 shots over his last four games. So he's really shooting the puck. Uh, quite a bit. I know he's been a frustrating player to own this season in fantasy, but maybe uh, maybe cooking at the right time for you. Montreal and Calgary in here next. The Habs home favorites minus 157, 19, and 20, 18, 12, and nine on the season. The total here is six. Calgary won last night in overtime. Johnny Goudreau, overtime goal. Nice little goal against his former goalie, Dave Riddick. Plus 135 tonight. The Flames, 18-24 and 24 against the spread, 18-21. This is obviously a very big game for both of these teams. The Canadians holding down the last spot in the North Division. Uh, they got 45 points in 39 games played. And the Flames have 30, or 45 points for the Habs and 39 points for the Flames. So Calgary, six back and they played three more games. So this obviously is very huge. This is the first of five meetings between these two teams, Pete, over the next 12 days. You and I were talking about the, all the matchups, playing each other a lot, but we may get some kind of playoff-style hockey down the stretch here with teams battling, and I think this is going to be one of those games, a huge game for both teams. What do you make of the Flames? Because they're a tough team to figure out. I feel like, okay, Sutter has them going now, and then then they just... They lay an egg and they look awful again. But now this is two straight wins, and they just they don't give up a lot offensively. The Leafs struggled last night to find any offense in that game, and I expect it to kind of carry over here tonight against the Canadians.
1: I do like the recent wrinkle of seeing Goudreau and Kachuk on the same line. That's something we haven't really seen much of at all, other than the power play one uh, through all the different coaches that they've had in recent years. But I like that. I mean, that could get both players going. I got Kachuk in one league. I mean, obviously very high floor, but you'd like to see more offensively down the stretch. Good response from them. I mean, they were pretty much buried. We are talking about them, you know, maybe being in the mix for a lottery pick uh, last week, but, you know, a couple of nice wins. I was pretty shocked that game against Edmonton. And then, you know, to beat the Leafs in overtime, even with Toronto on second of a back-to-back. Calgary has a pulse again. It's good to see. This is a must-win game. They probably need to win like something like four of the five games. If you were saying they're playing five more times, yeah. right. Against Montreal to make up that ground. Can they do it? Probably not, but um, it all starts today. This is a, uh, the urgency is here. You won't see this much urgency facing a team at this time of year, right. as you'll see it facing the flames here. So we'll see if they're up to the task. Um, I, I think they're a decent play as underdogs, but you know, again, show me more than just a game or two. uh, So they'll have their chance to do that tonight.
0: I like the wrinkle too. And it seems to have gotten Goudreau going a little bit, get some grit on that line. Right. And, and with Kachuk, but I like the under is the play. I think you're spot on. I think we're going to see the flames best effort tonight. Like lay it out, empty the tank. This is it. Like, like I said, you're six back. you, You played three more games. You got four here. You're gonna play Montreal five times over the next 12 days, so it starts tonight for them. Uh, they've won three straight against the Habs. They've taken three of four, uh, three straight, three-one-two-one-two, one, two, nothing. So they've all gone under the number. I've been taking Calgary and Montreal under the number quite often. Uh, I don't, you know, the goals have dried up for the Canadians. Allen is good enough to to hold the fort down and. Calgary just doesn't give up a whole lot. So I'm avoiding any kind of shot prop. I would actually lean with the flames here, despite the back-to-back, just because of what we talked about, Pete, This that desperation. I'm sure the Canadians are going to have a little bit of that as well, but they may also just be feeling themselves a little bit, knowing that they have a bit of a cushion. But I will lean with the under six. This next game here, Ottawa and Winnipeg, I had the Jets in a couple parlays and they screwed me. Uh, they are playing Ottawa again, minus 180. The Jets or the Sens here, plus 152, 25 and 18 against the spread. The total is six, 24, 25, 14 and three. Winnipeg on the year. They are in second place. They're seven back of the Leafs, so I don't know if they'll be able to catch them. I, I would say no, that they won't. But they could be flip flopping with Edmonton from here on out, the the rest of the way. But it looks like maybe those two teams could just play each other. Um, the Jets, I was surprised, Pete, that they didn't really do anything at the deadline. I know they got Jordy Ben, but I thought they you know, they needed a little bit more on that blue line.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, they made their splash in terms of the trade earlier fair, in the season. Fair. So I guess that would be the argument against what you said. But I agree. Yeah. I, I think uh, they could have added you a know, better defenseman than Jordy Ben. But anyway, they're still pretty well equipped um, to compete. With Toronto, if they play them in a seven-game series, I would think, and I expect them to bounce back here after losing to Ottawa the other day. Did want to note um, Thomas Shabbat for DFS has been really valuable. Of course, DFS most formats don't count plus minus against you, so that's uh, great for a player on Ottawa. You know, Connor Brown, of course, keeping the goal streak going. So, like, if you're if you're not drafting the Winnipeg goalie, you might get. a a Senator or two into your lineup with Connor Brown, how well he's playing regardless of lineup placement has one of the longest goal streaks in the NHL in recent years across the whole league. I believe it's at eight right now. And then Shabbat, uh, since the beginning of April among the defenseman leaders in assists with five and um, shots on goal with 21. So he's really bringing some nice coverage for the senators even with these being like meaningless games, I think we've seen Ottawa time and time again, get up for these games and produce some sneaky fantasy value. So, yeah, I'm just looking at those two guys. I think Winnipeg will probably win the game, but um, yeah, Ottawa is no slouch. And uh, we've seen it with other teams too, like the flames and the Habs specifically, like even though you drop the first of a back-to-back to to the senators, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a gimme in the second game. Like they've, They've kind of been uh, the, th- the thorn in those in their sides uh, for some of these teams up north this year.
0: Yeah, it, Brown, you read my mind with Brown. I was going to mix things up a little bit here and give a shot prop that I've never gave before. Matty Best, Connor Brown. Have we talked about Connor Brown as a shot prop? He's plus 140 today, William Hill, to get three shots.
2: That's uh, way too low. I mean, at some books, he's starting to go up to three and a half. Uh yeah. but two and a half at that price. I uh I can't say put a lot of <laughs> units on it, but uh maybe you might half, maybe 0.25 do, might want to put something on there. Just seems like Listen, an okay play.
0: He's got nineteen shots in five games. Pete's so smart. I'd I i did not know he'd bring up Connor. I, I thought maybe he'd bring up Connor Brown in the goal scoring streak that he's on because uh, I think he can equal Timu Salati's nine-game streak back in 97. Brown has 13 goals, 23 points on the season, but he has been absolutely lighting it up from a goal standpoint and getting heavy minutes. I mean, 1951, 21-19, 1958, he's playing. He's getting a lot of ice time. And the Jets give up a lot. As much as we talk about the Jets, I think, Pete, you're spot on when it comes to Winnipeg. It's either you play Connor Hellebuck, and there's two ways it can go. He can get you a save bonus. He can get whatever site you're playing on. He can... He can win you a GPP in a tournament. You can, But in cash, it's always nerve-wracking because the Jets give up so much. And sometimes I've played him and it's been, oh, oh man, three or four goals in the back of the net before halfway through the game. And is it even on Connor Hellebuck? No, I mean, the Jets give up a lot of high quality chances at five on five, so... Uh, I do think he is the poster boy in net for for GPP and tournaments when it comes to DFS. But I was going to take a shot here on Connor Brown at plus 142 and a half shots. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it myself. It's not my favorite. Matt's probably right. Maybe you don't put a, a full unit on it. Maybe you just get it involved in some parlays, a long shot parlay there. But Kyle Connor is like minus 180. It's tough to to get involved with Kyle Connor now. Even at William Hill, I'm seeing the best price at minus 180 for Kyle Connor. Do I think he's going to get three shots? Yeah, probably, but it's a it's a very steep price to play to pay. I'm with you, Pete. I think the Jets win, but also a very steep price to pay as well. And we just saw we just saw the loss just the other day on Monday. So we, we can move on from that game. But Connor Brown, Pete's on him. I'm on him. Let's do it. Let's ride together here with Connor Brown. Hopefully he gets a goal. I'd like to see him. Uh, equal that streak from Solani. Next game in here, Colorado and the Blues. The Blues home dogs here, plus 155. Colorado minus 182, 19 and 23 against the spread. 13 and 28 against the spread. Pete, we've been talking so much about the Blues. Last Friday, Cam and I were, were on this show and we were just scratching our heads about the Blues. We were back and forth in the wild game and then I think we'd leaned with the wild and it wasn't even close. Uh St. Louis crushed them. They've taken two straight against many. This is a huge game here against Colorado. The Avs have taken three of four against the Blues, three straight. Um, the first game of the season it was a St. Louis win, and then they just got spanked the very next night. I think it was eight-nothing. What do you make of this Blues team? Is it is it as much as going back to a couple years ago, they were awful. They had like 33 to 1 odds to win the cup. Bennington went on the run. Tarasenko heated up. Is it is it that simple to say that? This is what they can do. They still have so much playoff experience on the team, and it's go time for them now. They're smelling themselves. Now they're in a playoff spot. Last week, they saw the Coyotes ahead, but this schedule down the stretch is going to be very difficult for them. It's playoff hockey from here on out. I kind of like them as home dogs tonight. That's saying something because we haven't picked against the Avs too much this year, Pete.
1: Right. I, I definitely echo that sentiment. I think that there's some nice appeal on the Blues tonight because playoff environment, Uh, Of course, Ryan O'Reilly, like you look at all the ups and downs of that team this year. He's still close to a point per game. We have him in our DFS picks for tonight going up against Nathan McKinnon. I like uh, I just like that matchup on paper. It's it's a big watch game for me tonight. Uh, O'Reilly's playing with David Perron. They're the two leading scorers on the Blues through thick and thin. The third wheel on that line is Sammy Blay. So keep an eye out for him. DFS. He's had some good returns lately over the past two, three games, and they have so many combinations to work with, but what they're working with right now, and of course, Jaden Schwartz is back and Colton Parekos back. They're starting to get the band back together. And I think like you can look at and draw a parallel from them to the Boston Bruins. Obviously they kind of swapped defensemen. They got Krug now uh, Mm -hmm. took them away from the Bruins, but those are two teams that led their respective conferences last year in the standings in the regular season. And I think both of those teams come playoff time down the stretch, especially if they have have to fight off, you know, if the Bruins have to fight off the Rangers for a playoff spot and the, uh, the blues have to fight off maybe the coyotes. I think the sharks are pretty much done at this point, but like they might have to still sweat a little bit. And even with a tough schedule, I still like the blues to win some big games down the stretch. And, um, yeah, just like when it only takes three games, right, for right. them to go on a three game winning streak. And then all of a sudden you're looking at their top six again as very, very dangerous and one of the most complete in the entire league. So I know Colorado is the best team in the league. No slouch, of course, and you can never just overlook them. But it's really good value for the Blues for sure tonight in a winnable spot.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, at home here and yeah, the 9-1 win, all of a sudden they've won three straight. They beat Vegas 3-1. Bennington was really, really strong in that game. I think he made 50 saves. Then the 9-1 win, 3-2 overtime. Great call, Ryan O'Reilly. You're right, getting some guys back here. You just look at this team on paper and that, I think that's what was so frustrating with St. Louis, like, and especially from a betting standpoint, Cam was talking about, how St. Louis was just giving them the blues all year, picking them to win and then they would lose picking against them and then they'd win and just trying to find that identity. And I thought maybe they were just going through the motions. And then I was like, okay, maybe they're just trying to adjust without life from Petrangelo. And now it's like, okay, there's less than a month left in the season and you're not in no playoff spot, right? It's probably, and then you see it from the leaders, right? Like O'Reilly, you mentioned, and then all the other guys on that team, like Tarasenko and Perron, and then some of the kids, Rob Thomas is playing, you know, and now he's back in the lineup and he's healthy, getting regular yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's huge. And, and Bennington obviously is, is the key for that team. He needs to be close to the goalie that he was when they went on that cup run. And he has looked like that over the past couple games. I'm going to take them in an upset here. I, I like St. Louis. They played Colorado tough earlier in the month. It was the two games back to back in Colorado. They lost three two and two one, but they played both of those They were they were they were in both of those games, very tough, and they got you know strong goaltending as well. So. Um, obviously, like this isn't going to be, we'll recap at the very end, but like I don't mind putting St. Louis into a parlay with like um, as we move on to Vegas and LA, maybe you put a Vegas on the puck line. All of a sudden, you got some pretty decent odds, Blues and Vegas on the puck line as a two game parlay. LA here, uh, home dogs plus 160, 25 and 16 against the spread, 19 or 16, 19 and 6. The Kings uh, just traded Carter. And for Vegas, you know, they're they're heavy road dogs here at minus one eighty-six, eighteen and twenty-three. The LA's played them tough this year, give them some credit. Uh they have a couple wins against them, but Vegas has won five of seven. They beat them 4-2 on Monday. I thought they controlled the play for the most part. I mentioned Pat off at the top of the show. Pete, you know, this is a very streaky goal scorer. He went through a bit of a slump where he wasn't shooting and he wasn't scoring. He was off the first power play. Now he's back on, and he's starting to play with a bit of confidence again. He's got goals in two of his last three games. A nice snipe the other night on the power play. I love watching Vegas and Mark Stone play. Like When you watch Stone and they score a goal, whether it's Stone or somebody else, that guy gets so excited. He gets me excited. I don't know if there's a guy in the NHL besides Ovechkin that gets as amped when his team scores a goal as Mark stone. Um, I like this Vegas team touch on them tonight with against the Kings and the future potential matchup. I know we just talked about the blues. I mean, how fun would it be to see Vegas and Colorado in the playoffs?
1: Yeah, and I don't think that either Vegas or Colorado really wants to have to deal with the Blues in the first round because you might see the team that doesn't have to play the Blues in the first round have a little bit, not an easier road because it would be tough to play the Wild, but like you could see that Blues series against whoever they play really take a physical toll on that other team. So that's something to watch out for going into the playoffs. As much as you might like, the Avs to win the cup, or the Knights to win the cup. Like maybe the team uh, to to put something on would be the team that avoids the Blues right. in the first round. So we'll see there. Um, definitely wanted to mention Robin Leonard since coming back from his concussion. Six zero and one with a really strong save percentage nine thirty one. So I, I couldn't help but remember when people were early in the season when Leonard was day to day for a couple of weeks and. You know, people were saying, "Oh, I'm I'm done with Leonard. I'm I'm mm-hmm. dropping him. I'm considering." And I was just like, "I feel like I answered every one of those questions. Like, just keep Leonard, whether you have it. Flurry or not. Just keep Leonard. And like, I'm glad that I stuck to my to my instincts with that one because he's definitely delivering and making it more of the timeshare we expected it to be." I mean, if you invested in that tandem at the beginning of the oh, season, you're you're good to go. I did it in one league and I'm doing really well, like second place. And um, yeah, it's just been as good as advertised, even though Leonard has missed time because Flurry, of course, was like an MVP candidate. So yeah, I like, um, you know, I definitely like the Knights either way, especially uh, with the Kings going into a little bit of a sell mode. I know uh, Brian Burke was talking about how, about a month ago when the Kings were playing a little bit better, I guess Carter was a little bit more reluctant to uh, to be to approve a trade. And then now, of course, uh, things have changed in L.A. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm big on the Knights uh, the rest of the way. Very safe team. And um, yeah, I think like in terms of DFS value for L.A., we're on Dustin Brown tonight. Because he quietly leads them in shots on goal I guess now that Carter's out of the mix Carter led them prior to the trade now it's Brown atop their shots on goal leaderboard and uh, he's had some big games lately as well so yeah keep an eye on Dustin Brown but I just don't trust the Kings goaltending whether it's um, Peterson or Jonathan Quick I know I, Peterson's been pretty solid through thick and thin this year but you know, obviously would lean on the side of Vegas from the goaltending
0: standpoint. Yeah. You, I remember jumping on, <clears throat> excuse me. I remember jumping on the show with you and you were talking about Leonard, you guys were bringing up Leonard and it felt like I was maybe a little sour on him. I was like, ah, oh, I, I like it. If you're in a pinch, do you hold on? But yeah, if you, yeah, kudos, man. Cause if you have him right now, and if you have that duo, you're gonna be tough to beat. In, in the fantasy hockey playoffs, like I was mm-hmm. doing the rest of the season rankings, they're free over at Ftnfantasy.com. the the playoff schedule the guide who plays the most in the in throughout the playoffs and the, and the goalie rankings I have both of them in the top 10 like it's just a duo that if they're playing. I can't see them getting lit up lit up often and they're going to give you solid numbers across the board with W's for the most part. Yeah. Vegas looks strong. I would lean to the under most times. I think we had the under on Monday, Maddie, you can recap at the end, but uh, we didn't get it. It was a late goal. Uh, some spots six, but Five and a half, I wouldn't go there, but I think you can include Vegas in the parlays. so has been the guy for me, Pete, the shot props. I know I've been talking about uh, Patchetti, but so has cleared two and a half shots in seven of his past eight games, and he's been doing it pretty easily. He had four shots the other night. He's got a couple with seven and eight and five. So he's been shooting quite often. I like him. The final game before we get you out of here, uh, the Sharks and the Ducks. We were laughing about the Sharks being heavy favorites. On Monday, we chatted about them being minus 190 favorites. I was like, okay, I guess they're playing a little bit better. But they they got crushed by Anaheim in that game. And they've lost two straight to Anaheim in the past week. Outscored nine to one. They have won four of six against the Ducks this season, but yeah, it was looking like maybe they were going to go on a bit of a run, Pete, like, I don't know about making the playoffs, but it looked like it was going to be, there was at least going to be a chance and they're sitting here just four points back, but uh, it's hard to back them. And especially at this price, the one guy I will throw, there's another one we've been riding quite often is Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer shot props. We've been talking a lot, Pete, during this run about Timo Meyer and Thomas Hurdle. Just, you know, the connection between both of those guys. But look at the shots here from Meyer. 4-3-3-7-1-8-1-7-3-3-5. Three, three, one, one, three, three, so this is a guy who's done it now uh, like in 80% of his games over the past two and a half weeks. It's the only bet I will make on this game. If the ducks win the ducks win, uh, but I can't put my money on them. What do what you make of the sharks? I mean, it looked like it was someone, it looked like they were maybe going to go on a run, Pete, but I don't know. I don't have a ton of confidence in them right now.
1: Well, if they want to stay in the mix, they pretty much have to win this game. And oh, yeah. uh, they've, I think they've kind of blown the opportunity of that stretch with all the games against LA and they've taken care of LA pretty well, but yeah, yeah consecutive losses against the ducks who they also lost to earlier in the year. I mean, this is the stretch for the Sharks to remain in contention before they have to play, you know, Vegas and Colorado again. They haven't won a game against Vegas this season. So, you know, you got to take advantage of these games. They haven't done so. I know Hurdle got a little banged up the last game. Seems like he's probably good to go. They -hmm. said it wasn't that serious, but just something to keep an eye on as it pertains to Meyer as well. Who's a very high floor guy, like you said for fantasy. Even when he's not scoring, he's like on the cusp of the top 100 forward rankings. And we do our rankings, by the way, on NHL.com fantasy. Whether whether you compare them to Chris's uh, at the preseason mark, or we update everything on a weekly basis, like you were talking about, where you have the Vegas goalies, like we have Flurry and Leonard both in the top six. So mm-hmm. we definitely like, uh, you know, we're thinking you know, great minds thinking alike here. But I think that like it would be a big thing for people playing fantasy out there to look at Chris's rankings and look at our rankings, myself and Rob Reese and like, and compare them. And then if you have a question, like reach out to us, like if you see that Chris has a guy 30 spots higher than we do, let's talk about it and let's either meet in the middle somewhere or let's get your team on the right track here. if, If there's some concern. So something to keep an eye out for there. As far as the Sharks, totally wildly erratic. I mean, (laughs) they were winning games as an underdog consistently. Now they're losing games consistently as a favorite, right? It's just totally whacked out. And I think that like um, that team, it comes down to their effort level on defense. I've been saying that for a few years now with guys like Carlson and Burns. And one thing, definitely wanted to mention Mark Edward Vlasic when that guy is banged up or out of the lineup they've been a different team this is dating back for the past 5 6 seasons anytime that guy you know drops out in the in the playoffs or in the regular season it's always a big concern even if that guy is not producing like when he's taken away from the lineup it's like you uh, you don't know what you have until it's gone type of thing so you know definitely that's correlated with why like the sharks have fallen off a little bit, you know, he's still out. So over the past couple of days, so something to keep an eye out for sure. Uh, if the sharks are going to stay in, in this race, they're probably going to need Vlasic back in the lineup soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Pete, you're so great on Twitter too. Yeah. Any questions that you guys have, cause it is all about context. Like you could see your rankings and with Rob, you guys do phenomenal work. You're updating it uh, constantly. Yeah, you're right. You could see, a guy 30 spots higher in your rankings or 30 spots higher on mine, but also just to have that context too, like who's on your team and dropping this guy and that guy. So if uh, you have any questions, don't be afraid to reach out at NHL Jensen. And uh, again, a question in the YouTube section, Uh, by all means, uh, circle back before a puck drop as well. So, yeah, uh, just to kind of recap here from a DFS standpoint, uh, I think we're on the same page. Like, the offense could come out of that Winnipeg and Ottawa game, and it's not just going to be all Winnipeg. I mean, Pete mentions Brown and Shabbat and some of these Sens guys they've been cheap all year. So it allows you to spend up on that top line. Like if you want Connor and Shifley and cop, or if you want to have some exposure to Colorado and St. Louis, I think we could see some goals there as well. I will just avoid the Calgary and Montreal game. I, I think, you know, the, the under is, is kind of how I'm feeling. I don't think we'll see a lot of offense there. I don't know what Calgary, I wouldn't be shocked, Pete, if they go back to Markstrom, I don't know, like back to back. I know it is a back to back, but I wouldn't be shocked if they went back to Markstrom in that spot. Uh, in a must win. And, you know, he didn't, again, there weren't a lot of shots in that Leafs and flames game last night, and then maybe in on Vegas. And as much as we have kind of talked about the sharks and what team is going to show up tonight, I think we could see some goals in that game as well. I just don't want to put my money on them winning the game, but we could see some offense there. Matt, um, what do you think for DFS tonight? And give us a recap on how Wednesday went. I feel like it didn't go well.
2: Uh, so for DFS I kind of want to target this Anaheim San Jose game just want to uh-huh. pick up on a bunch of people there because they'll be lower priced and I think this game out of all the other games on the slate has the highest volatility rate and all I mean by that is just this one could go banana lands absolutely insane quicker than all of the other games uh, I also like we talked about earlier love Connor Brown just give me him everywhere oh, like, I was being semi-sarcastic when I was, like, barely put anything on there, but, like, throw a few units on that shot prop. I'm <laughs> no, a big... throw a few now. I mean, it's money. Yeah, no, I was being super sarcastic. Like, I, I'm a big fan of that bet. I think value there is what we're aiming at. Um, So, let's recap your picks. All right, so your overall picks, you went 2-4. and four. You missed on the Toronto money line, the Jets money line, the Montreal-Toronto under, the Vegas Kings under. You hit the Vegas money line and the Chicago money line. Brings your win loss to 115 and 76. Uh, shot props, 3 and 2. Meyer hit. Rantonin hit. Of course he did. That guy always hits. Kyle Connor hit. Of okay. course he did. That guy always hits. Tafoli broke our hearts. And Matthews oh. broke our hearts. And he broke oh. my parlays too. So I'm mad at both of them for a bit. Uh, 3 and 2, like I said. 55, 25. 55 wins, 25 losses for a shot props. Still doing pretty good, my friend.
0: You know, I was uh, waiting all night, Matt, for. A Maybe them to adjust uh, Matthew's shots. It Me looked like he had a chance too. in front of the net where he had two shots in a row. And I was counting already. I was watching the game. I was like, that's it. That's his fourth yep. right there. And then I was surprised at the end of the night. He only had three, but uh, it is what it is. Going to start with shot props here. I like Fiala two and a half. Get some early afternoon action in there. I am not going to do Toffoli for the first time all year. This, the Flames are so stingy. Uh, Kyle Connor. Fiala. Connor Brown, let's go with Connor Brown, Rantanen, So, and Timo Meyer in there. So those are a few shot props. I like Minnesota and the under, but I like the under a lot more there. But Minnesota and the under, Montreal and Calgary under six, Winnipeg, Vegas, and St. Louis. Uh, Pete, any final words from you, man? Uh, tee up the tee up the podcast. You guys are doing some great work, and uh, yeah, take it away, man.
1: Yeah, we'll be back with everybody again on Friday. We did the deadline recap, which was a Monday late afternoon thing. So just letting that one breathe for a couple of days because it has so much staying power. And uh, yeah, this season's a grind, man, especially with the condensed schedule. Me and Chris were talking about it earlier. Uh, So yeah, appreciate everybody that listens to NHL Fantasy on Ice. Also check out, I did a deadline recap on NHL Network yesterday. You could find that on the fantasy instagram nhl fantasy uh, instagram twitter and facebook and reach out with your questions anytime and do the same for chris and we'll get you we'll steer the ship in the right direction right
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's soon, man. It'll be playoff time. We'll be talking about the same matchups again, just for a little bit. But yeah. yeah, give Pete a follow at NHL Jensen, the senior fantasy editor. Always appreciate Pete's time. I know he's super busy. The podcast is absolutely awesome. Follow them on IG. Uh lots of great content there as well. At NHL Fantasy, at NHL Network. Those are the Twitter handles to follow. And then, of course, NHL Fantasy on ice. Subscribe to that podcast. Uh, lots of great information there. On the way up, out. I wanted to give these no points. We went two for three on Monday. Same guys. Coming back to the same guys. Jonathan Durant burned us. He picked up a point. But minus 139, no points. Kristen Dvorak, minus 150, no points. Drew Doughty, minus 118, zero points. Any questions, hit us up at Chris Meany at NHL Jensen. Uh, shout out to Maddie Best. Thank you as always. Good luck tonight. We'll be back on Friday. Cheers.